0: Salutaries of the Lord, let How's everybody doing? My name is Christian Wagner, and I am the Militant Thomist. So today we're going to be going over a much requested topic. We're going to be going over um, St. Thomas Aquinas' view of the Immaculate Conception. So this is a very controversial topic because you'll hear many say, um, especially Protestants in their apologetics, that St. Thomas did not believe in the Immaculate Conception. You'll also hear Scotists playfully troll the Thomists because our guy denied a dogma of the church and blah, blah, blah. But it is my theory, and it is the contention of many Thomists, that St. Thomas did not actually deny the Immaculate Conception and that he was just using different language. And that if we actually read St. Thomas charitably, then what we see is that St. Thomas actually affirms in different words that same immaculate conception. But before we get into that, remember, if you go to the link below, you will see our sponsor, which is FluentGreekNT.com. So if you use the code militant, you can get 20% off and learn Greek. It is very affordable and it is some of the best pedagogy out there. Also, uh, please become a patron if you really appreciate what I'm doing and would like access to more materials, PDFs and um, articles, um, occasionally an extra video. I'll do usually once a week extra video now. So get access to all that. There's also a link uh, down there for direct donation if you'd like to make a single donation to help me out. And then all of where you can follow me is down there, Discord, uh, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, everything down there. The podcast, and then all the way at the bottom, you will see the Militant Thomas mug. So if you want to be based, be part of the team, get a Militant Thomas mug. Okay, that is everything. So let us get right into it. Oh, I love coffee so much. Thanks be to God. So this is going to be adapted from a section Lagrange. So if you get Lagranges, I don't have it here near me, but I put the link below to his reality. He covers this topic in there. Scotus win. You thought so, but actually it's Scotus tie on well, this case. Okay. So it is the common opinion today that St. Thomas denied the Immaculate Conception at the end of his life. And historically this position was actually held. So it's not out of the ordinary for someone to say that um, St. Thomas denied the Immaculate Conception, because historically, um, you see Suarez, Pesch, and many others uh, are going to affirm that St. Thomas denied the Immaculate Conception. And there are others who uh, say that St. Thomas never denied the Immaculate Conception. And there is some truth to this. So John of St. Thomas, uh, Cardinal Perone, uh, John of St. Thomas and Cardinal Perone are probably uh, two of the most important Thomists. Uh, Perone's from the uh, Roman congregational um, uh, dogmaticians, and uh, Saint Tho- uh, John of St. Thomas is probably uh, can be said to be one of the founders of Thomism, and then many others too. Uh, but the most most probable opinion. Um, in my opinion, is going to be Father Lagrange's. And his is that St. Thomas hesitated on this question at one point in his life, but never denied it. So we're going to hold with the the common opinion that in the Summa, there wasn't a full-blown affirmation of the Immaculate Conception. There wasn't this full-blown uh, teaching. St. Thomas uh, was very hesitant on this point. And if you read John of St. Thomas, John of St. Thomas is going to point to the fact, first um, St. Thomas in the Quodlibet questions points out that Rome um, until relatively late in the medieval period did not celebrate the feast of the Immaculate Conception. And then also that sacred scripture is silent on the matter, um, at least directly and explicitly. And also that um, that tradition uh, wasn't extremely clear for Saint Thomas, including Saint Augustine, who, if you read his words, he's uh, very um, while he while he certainly affirms it, he seems to be uh, more agnostic on the question. So this led Saint Thomas at one point of his, of his life in the Summa to be very um, to be very. Uh, uh, unclear about his affirmation and, and to hesitate on answering this question definitively, which does actually show some theological wisdom on his part, at least. So, uh, the the first quotation that we'll get is from his commentary on the sentences, which were written when he was a bachelor student. So, in his commentary on the sentences, Saint Thomas explicitly affirms that the immaculate explicitly affirms the immaculate conception. He says, "The Blessed Virgin." was immune both from original sin and from actual sin. And then in Isuma, that is where things begin to uh, get a little tricky. So um, in the the situation behind this was that many theologians in affirming the Immaculate Conception actually denied that Our Lady was redeemed by the merits of Christ. So this led St. Thomas to uh, be a little bit more agnostic on this question. Because as we see in Assuma, one of his justifications was he was arguing against those theologians who would say that St. Um, that Thomas, that uh, Our Lady was not um, redeemed by the merits of Christ. And St. Thomas responded to this by pointing out that according to Romans 5, she must be redeemed by Christ as her head. So, in order to retain this principle, Saint Thomas taught that Mary incurred the debitum culpe originalis in her body um, being b- uh, before being cleansed so this is different though than that original sin that we frequently refer to, which is going to be that privation of original justice which is found in the soul. It is merely uh, that debt of um, original um the, the kind of dead original punishment, the, uh, the corruption that we see uh, in the body. So it wasn't something which was imputed to her soul um, according to St. Thomas, at least according in this uh, interpretive framework that I'll be setting out. So it's important to note um, St. Thomas's embryology, how we view the development of the human person in the womb. So for St. Thomas, there's a period of time from conception to animation wherein the person is constituted. So you have the body and then the animal soul, which is uh, conceived at conception. There, Then there is that period of time. And then you have animation or ensoulment where the intellectual soul is infused and the human person is constituted. At least this was according to his embryology. So thus, while St. Thomas affirmed that the debitum colpe originalis, was in the body of Our Lady after conception, he does not clearly state when the cleansing happened in the order of conception to animation. So uh, he'll speak of immediately of the um, of the cleansing being immediately after animation. But this could be in reference to um, a period of the order of nature rather than a period of uh, a, a temporal period, such as um, quickening or ensoulment happened at two months. And then you had a, our lady having a sinful soul for for six months. And then the last month being in the womb before birth, you had the cleansing. happen. That, that, that's not how um, St. Thomas clearly speaks of this. So uh, he is not clear whether there is this infusion of of sin, well, this privation of original justice, which is found in the soul of Our Lady. So with animation and cleansing, oops, in order uh, in this framework for St. Thomas to affirm the Immaculate Conception, he would have to affirm that she was cleansed at the moment of her animation. So the difference between animation and cleansing would be something which is merely logical, and therefore there wouldn't be this corruption, this privation of original justice, which is found in the soul. Now, what he says in his, quote, libic questions is, it is, it is believed that immediately after conception and the infusion of the soul, she was sanctified. So Father Lagrange, he points out that, quote, he might thus have explained his phrase immediately, cito post, to mean that the creation of Mary's soul preceded her sanctification only by priority of nature. So this would only be a, um, a uh, logical category. There wasn't this temporal period between animation and sanctification in the, um, in the cleansing of Our Lady. So in this, there would never have been the privation of original justice and original sin would, would have been prevented and not, therefore, remitted. So what about the Summa? Because there is this quotation from the Summa that is also that is uh, often brought about from Summa Theologica, uh, Tertia Pars, Question 27, Article 2, uh, Response to the Second Objection. So it says, quote, If the soul of the Blessed Virgin had never incurred the stain of original sin, this would be derogatory to the dignity of Christ by reason of his being the universal savior of all. Consequently, after Christ, who, as the universal Savior of all, needed not to be saved, the purity of the Blessed Virgin holds the highest place. For Christ did not contract original sin in any way whatever, but was holy in his very conception, according to Luke 1.35. The holy which shall be born of thee shall be called the Son of God. But the Blessed Virgin did indeed contract original sin, but was cleansed therefrom before her birth from the womb. This is what is signified Job 3.9, where it is written of the night of original sin. Let it accept, expect light, i.e. Christ, and not see it, because no defiled thing cometh into her, as it is written in Wisdom 7.25. Nor the rising of the dawning of the day, that is, of the Blessed Virgin, who in her birth was immune from original sin. Okay. So Father Lagrange is going to answer the objection which is given from here in explaining it thus. So if we recall the saint's original position, that is his position, which is found in his commentary on the sentences, and the preemptor, the pre peremptor, pre-I'm sorry, I can't pronounce that word, of the principle that Mary was redeemed by Christ. These two texts are to be understood rather as a debitum culpe originalis than the actual incurring of the sin itself. Thus, animation would precede sanctification by a priority of nature only, not of time. Unless we are willing to find in his supreme mind, and this is, this is another quote from him, unless we are willing to find in his supreme mind an open contradiction in one and the same context, we must see in the word she was conceived in original sin, not original sin itself, which is in the soul, but the debt of original sin, which antecedently to animation was in her body conceived by the ordinary road of generation. So now there are other texts which are written near the end of his life, which confirms this reading. Because notice, Tertio Pars was written uh, near his death. This was one of the last works which he read, which he wrote. But we also have uh, four other works: his commentary on the Psalms. Well, actually, three other works: his commentary on the Psalms, his Compendium Theologiae, and then his commentary on the Ave Maria, which are going to shed light on this question and is going to show um, the more likely view. Uh, that Father Lagrange and others in the uh, tradition of the Thomas have pointed out. So his position is made clear by a number of texts written near the end of his life. So, quote, there was no blemish at all in Christ and the Virgin Mary, which is his commentary on Psalm 14. Further, when it comes to his, his commentary on Psalm 18, when he says he has set his tabernacle in the sun, it means he placed his body in the sun, that is, in the Blessed Virgin, who was in no way obscured by sin. You are all fair, O oh my love, and there is no spot in you. Now further, in Compendium Theologiae, so these two um, quotations from Psalm 14, his commentary on Psalm 14 and 18, this could one could respond that they are merely talking about the current state, of not being in original sin uh, after the sanctification, but that there was some period before. But when we look at the Compendium Theologiae, the reading makes um, much more sense with the one that Father Lagrange points out. So in Compendium Theologiae, book one, chapter 224, it says she was conceived with original sin. So notice this is going to be referring to the... um, that debt of original sin rather than that privation of justice, but was cleansed from it in some special way. And I want to note that this special way, it's very interesting because it's go- he's going to compare it um, to some other cleansings in the womb. So he makes two distinction he makes a distinction between two types of cleansing. So the first is going to be cleansing in baptism after birth. The second is going to be cleansing before birth, which is found in Jeremiah. And then is also found in St. John the Baptist. But he is going to say that this special way is different from the cleansing of Jeremiah and St. John the Baptist. Because it is um, of a completely different order. Which we'll note um, that in the language it seems like it's going to be referring to the Immaculate Conception, which we shall see. So she was sanctified in her mother's womb, that is, before she was born, and further, but her sanctification was more ample than that of others, that is, of St. John the Baptist and Jeremiah, who were sanctified in the wombs of their mothers. So how is it more ample, and how is it in some special way? So continuing, hence we conclude that the Blessed Virgin Mary never committed a venial sin. For she did not experience such inordinate motions of uh, emotions of emotion, inordinate motions of this kind arise because the sensitive appetite, which is the subject of these emotions is not so obedient to reason as not sometimes to move towards an object outside the order of reason or even occasionally against reason. And this is what engenders the sinful impulse. In the Blessed Virgin, accordingly, the sensitive appetite was rendered so subject to reason by the power of the grace which sanctified it, that it was never aroused against reason, but was always in conformity with the order of reason. Notice, I want you to notice this very clearly because I think this quote from the Compendium Theologiae is going to explain um, the quotations from Tertio Pars that people are uh, going to bring up and is going to prove the point that I'm bringing right now. Because if you think very clearly about what he's saying here, he's saying that she never committed a venial sin and these inordinate motions of emotion um, and then this uh, concupiscence which is um, which is uh, uh, inside, um, concupiscence is in the order of nature, uh, so it isn't uh, per se that privation of original justice. So what St. Thomas is explaining here is St. Thomas is explaining what original sin is. Interestingly enough, he is explaining what original sin is. And then he is denying that that ever was um, was of the Blessed Virgin Mary. So he's denying uh, what he would say would be that infused uh, privation, well, that privation, Not inf- I keep saying infused, ignore every time I say infused, but that privation of original justice He's explaining what that privation of virginal justice is, and then he's denying that Our Lady ever had it because she has that more eminent sanctification than uh, St. John the Baptist and others. So from the from reading this text, very straightforwardly, we see that he is affirming, in other words, uh, the Immaculate Conception, what we would at least call the Immaculate Conception. He is he's not having that view of Our Lady having that privation of original justice in her soul, but is only saying that there is that certain um, debt of original sin, which is found in the body. So, and then I want to, that's the last slide, then I want to go and get out of here, out of my slide. I want to go to Aquinas.cc, because I want to point out something very interesting to you. So if we go to i think it's ave maria 19 is where i was at i should have kept it up was it oh here it is so it says actually i should yeah i'll keep my slide up okay yes because there's the other translation of it okay here is what we have You guys, can see it. I want I want you to see, and I have a Twitter thread of this earlier. I want you to see if you see anything weird here. So the Blessed Virgin exceeds the angels in purity. She is not only pure, but she obtains purity for others. She is purity itself, wholly lacking in every guilt of sin, for she never incurred either mortal or venial sin. So too, she was freed from the penalties of sin. Sinful man, on the contrary, incur, incurs a threefold curse on account of sin. Notice. So, if we read this, and don't make fun of my Latin. Ipsa enim purissima, fuit et quantum ad colpam, quia nec originale, nec mortale, nec veniale peccatum. Incurit. Notice. Right here, over here, we have. She never incurred either mortal or venial sin. Here, notice, there's three types of sins which are not being incurred. So, incurred, not, well, I guess neither. Originale, what what would originale be in English? Originale peccatum. What would that be? Original sin. Nec so neither mortale peccatum, neither mortal sin. Nec veniale peccatum, neither venial sin. So this this kind of this kind of uh, trip me up because I was reading through Father Lagrange and he quotes this text from Ave Maria nineteen and then has the same Latin text in front of him as is used on here because crap I can't remember how to do this in. Is it going to let me? Oh, see, it is from. If you look at the Latin text, Saint Thomas Aquinas exposition of the Angelic Salutation, Deus uh, Thomas, and then it's going to be, um, uh, yeah, that that's going to be the same text, Latin text that Father Lagrange had in front of him when he was when he was showing this. And then this is the translation that Father LaGrange gives right here. Mary excels. Well, this is going to be the translation, I guess, that the English translator, translator of Father LaGrange gives. Mary excels the angels in purity because she is not only in herself pure, but begets purity in others. She was herself most pure because she incurred no sin, either original or actual, not even any venial sin. Now, does that read a little bit different? Yes, that reads a little bit different. Now, in context, what we see here, because in other places, he's going to be talking about the um, that debt of original sin, which is clear from the context. If you look in the other parts of um, his commentary on the Ave, his Compendium Theologiae, his Summa Theologica, if you, if you look at all of those other texts, you'll see, yes, that looks like the debt of original sin. But when you look at him talking about that actual stain, that actual privation of original justice, it's clear from the context here in Ave Maria 19 that that is what he's talking about. So when he is talking about that privation of original justice, he denies it. So he's going to affirm something like, or another, in, in other words, the Immaculate Conception. So that is actually all I have, and I will stick around for a minute if any of you have any questions. Okay, I'll give you guys a minute. Let me see what I have. I do not have any videos tomorrow because it is the Lord's Day. I guess I'll give you guys a little little taste for what I got coming up while I wait for any questions. Okay. So let's, let's see if I can remember. upcoming live streams so on I think this is Monday on Monday I will be having a Q&A then on Tuesday I'm going to be reacting to a bunch of normie philosophers on YouTube talking about St. Thomas Aquinas on Wednesday the means of attaining certainty Thursday empty after dark is this third yeah no 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 this is on Wednesday I'll be having my chill stream if you be on patreon at patreon.com slash you can get access to that Thursday, The Means of Attaining Certainty Friday, Empty After Dark and then next Saturday, which there was there was much upset about this I'm going to be doing a stream on the Authority of the Vulgate which is going to be very basic. So I'll be going over Hunter, Copins, the SDS, and then Bellarmine for that one so that's going to be what's coming up okay, I do not see any questions thank you all for coming and watching today, and remember it is what's suntide so the spirit of the lord hath filled the whole earth hallelujah hallelujah